But let's look in Galatians 5. I'll ask you to stand. Galatians 5. And uh, we'll read two verses. Two very familiar uh, verses. Uh, Galatians 5. Look in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is... No law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the choir singing and the special singing. Uh, I'm glad that, Lord, that you're still good, even in the bad times. As David said, that you have visited us in the night time. And I thank you for that. Well, Lord, we stand before you now needing some help and just needing uh, you to come by and do, do a work that I cannot do. I pray that you would just touch and and help folk today while we might preach. I pray that you would help me while I stand to preach. I certainly need a touch from heaven. And Lord, if there's one here lost, that gets saved. And Lord, I pray that you'd help the one that might need some help. And Lord, the one that uh, this message is for today. Lord, I really believe this is the message for the hour. And I pray that you'd help us while we might preach. We stand in need of you and some need of help from heaven today. Would you guide our mind and our thoughts, hinder Satan from this service, let folk be focused on the Word of God today for just a little while. Don't let them be hindered today, but let them be focused. We sure do love you and we thank you. Help hearts today and save that sinner to nearest tale for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You be seated this morning. In these two verses, the Apostle Paul deals with uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in the prior verses, he deals with uh, the works of the flesh, and you'll find out that there's twice as many works of the flesh uh, as there is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you want to be spiritual this morning, a lot of people think that spirituality uh, has to do with whether somebody shouts or somebody cries. Uh, or any of those things. And just because somebody is emotional, there's nothing wrong with uh, being emotional in church or outside of church. Even when God gets a hold of your heart, it is an emotional thing. You need to understand that. It, it really is. Uh, and I love it when God squeezes on my heart uh, and comes by. It'll come out in my flesh. Uh, but here, if you want to be spiritual... Uh, uh, we're going to have to bear out the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith, and meekness and temperance. Uh, you find somebody that can bear these out in their life because they know Christ Jesus the Lord, and he's trying to line up with what the Bible says, then you can say they're spiritual at that point. But I want to deal with it. I'm not going to deal with all seven of them today. We'd be here uh, all night. I remember years ago when I was a young preacher, I preached on all of these at a church. And I remember when we got done, I remember the person that prayed, that they weren't used to a long preacher. And I remember when they got done praying and said, Lord, even though it's been long tonight. Amen. You all are just used to it by now. Uh, but look in verse 23. Uh, when he talks about meekness and temperance. And I want to deal with that word temperance this morning, if I could, for just a little while. That word temperance means a moderation 
or a habitual moderation in regard to the indulgence of the natural appetites and passions. It means to be restrained. It means to have patience. It means calmness or a moderation of passion. Some people say it means uh, to even have self-control, but uh, I'll be honest with you this morning, he's talking about having a restraint uh, about us uh, uh, in our life. Uh, when we talk about somebody having temperance, you, you ever heard, uh, where do you think that the word temper that we use comes from? If, if, if metal gets tempered, then that means the, the right amount of metal and the right amount of heat has been applied for the right amount of hardness. That's what tempering metal does. There's just the right amount of everything. Do you realize for us to have temperance uh, in our life, we need the right amount of everything in us to be able to act and react when it's time to. And when we talk about somebody's temper, and by the way, we see that those go together. And by the way, this is going to be a shouter this morning, being facetious, by the way. He says, he said over here when we talked about temperance, have we ever said about somebody that they lost their temper? I'm sure we have. What happens when somebody loses their temper? Well, they go off the deep end a lot of times, don't they? Sometimes they're more angry than what they should be. We say somebody's got a quick temper. That means you say the wrong thing at the wrong time and they're fast to get mad. Sometimes we say they've got a cool temper or a slow temper. And if somebody has a good temper, then it's the right amount of what it takes. I want you to look with me in the book of Proverbs. I want you to go over there with me. I'm going to lay this out and then we're going to preach a while. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, we're going to look at two more verses and then I'm going to preach a while. But in talking about temperance and having restraint and control uh, uh, over ourselves and a calmness about us, look in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32. Proverbs 16 verse 32, the Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Now, go over just a few chapters to Proverbs 25. Go to Proverbs 25, and we'll preach a while. Proverbs 25, and look at the very last verse in that chapter. Look in verse 28. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. The Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now, as he talked about temper, and as we come to the book of Proverbs, he's talking about having control of our spirit. The spirit is the very thing in man uh, that gives us life and gives us animation. Uh, James talked about in James 2, for uh, as the body without the spirit is dead. If your spirit is not in you, then you have no life. Uh, When you look at the story about uh, when Joseph sent the wagons over there to pick up Jacob and his brethren, uh, uh, the Bible said in the book of Genesis, uh, uh, Jacob didn't believe any of those things that those boys told him. uh, But he said, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph uh, uh, had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, uh, uh, his, their father, uh, revived. 
Uh, we can have a weeks period. We can have a, uh, a, a uh, how can I say this, a, a, uh, a dead spirit, I guess you might say. Uh, but it is the spirit that uh, puts us into motion and gives us excitement. Uh, it also means life or fire. But then it said this when I looked at the word spirit of temper or disposition of mind. So for the Christian, we need to have some temperance and some control uh, over our spirit. Uh, we think that the Lord will just take control of us and keep us out of trouble, but it does not work that way. Uh, we're not robots. We uh, got saved. Our, our soul got saved. Uh, uh, we believe under the saving of the soul. The inner man uh, is in there. Uh, and he's saved. Uh, but your flesh is not saved. And what drives your flesh is your spirit. Uh, and that's the very thing that we uh, have to keep control of. You know, the best thing to do is just let your inner man have control of the outer man uh, and everything will go real good. But I'm going to tell you, when your outer man overrides your inner man, you're fixing to get in trouble. We can have a generous spirit or we can have a revengeful spirit or we can have, you know, the Bible talks about in the book of 1 Peter, I think it does, about uh, the ladies, uh, those that are saved, to have how to be of an ornament of a quiet uh, and a meek spirit. But having temperance and rule over your spirit again means that we have control. That means the Holy Spirit reigns in our life. Have you, have you, let me ask you this. Have you ever said something or done something and, and as soon as you've done it, you said, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. Now sometimes that's hitting your thumb with a hammer. Amen. You wish you hadn't done that. But how many of us have acted in some way or said something uh, to our husband, our uh, wife that we wish we hadn't said or our children, uh, maybe somebody that you work with or uh, somebody that you know that uh, before, you, before you could get it stopped, uh, it come out of your mouth uh, and boys, it's coming out. You wish you could just shut it back in. It's took me a long time to learn and I'm still learning that I've got to get control of me sometimes. I have to have control. Now the way for me to have control is let the Lord have control of me. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. I'll go over there and read it to you before we get good and started. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. He talks about uh, temperance over here. But he talks about the growth in our life. As he talks about uh, some of the, th the, the, the great and exceeding precious promises that we have. In verse 5, he said, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Within our Christian life, there is a growth that takes place. And as he's talking about adding on right here, he, he says, look, he says, uh, give all diligence. In other words, apply yourself toward this. If you're diligent in something, you don't let off of it. If you're diligent in something, you work at it. You stay with it. One of the problems I've always had is procrastination and diligence to stay with something. But in our Christian life, he said, I want you to be diligent with these things. And he said, add to your faith 
virtue, uh, strength and morality. He said into virtue, knowledge, learn and add about the Lord. Learn and add about how to live. And then he said in the knowledge as you learn, he said you add temperance and with temperance comes patience. In other words, when you can control yourself. You ever just seen somebody that's out of control? I watched that one time. I, I watched the fella go off the deep end. I, I mean, he just went off the deep end. He had no temperance and no self-control. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I, I was far away from the situation physically, but I was getting a little nervous. I think we've all been around people like that, and some of you may be that way. And I'm going to tell you, that is no way for a Christian to live. The Bible said, He that is so to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. He, he contrasts those right there. Number one, we are to have rule over ourselves. Now you listen, this may be easy for some of you all. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of this, we're going to see that there are some things at stake and at cost if you don't. He said that, that, that he that is so to anger is the same as he that ruleth his spirit, uh, and the mighty is he that taketh that city. So to rule something, when he talked about ruling the spirit, that means to govern or to control the will or the action of something. So what did he deal with first? The very first thing he dealt with is he that is slow to anger. How many of us are slow to anger? How many of us are quick to anger? How many of us have a, a quick temper? Now, I've never had a quick temper. You can ask my wife. She's sitting over there. She'll, I mean, after 29, after 28 and a half years, almost 29 years, she'll tell you whether I've got a quick temper or not. Now, I can get mad. Now, what I do have is a quick mouth and a slow brain some days. You know how you need to filter some things before? And nine times out of ten, I can keep that under control sometimes, but sometimes I cannot. But he said right here, he that is so to anger and he that ruleth his spirit. In other words, you have control of what animates you and what drives you. He said, what's this got to do with spirituality? He said, what? Temperance. If you want to bear out spirituality in your life, then you have to have temperance. You've got to have rule and control over you. Ecclesiastes, Jeff read it in Sunday school this morning. Be not hasty in thy what? In thy spirit to be angry. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Why? For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. He said it is your spirit that drives you to be angry. I understand anger is sometimes a good thing. Be ye angry and sin not. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. And he said be angry and sin not and let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. A lot of people say, well, that means just don't be angry by bedtime. No, what he's saying right there, if something's worthy to be angry over uh, and to let it motivate you, uh, then don't let the sun go down on it. Be angry, come tomorrow at it. Be angry the next day at it. You understand what he's saying? Have, we, have you ever said, well, the sun set on that situation? 
That means it's over with. Hey, if it's worthy being angry at it today, it's worthy being angry at it tomorrow. How many of you ever got angry at your sin, at yourself? You ever got angry at yourself? I have. And I think we should be. I think we should be angry at ourselves. I, I think when we do something wrong, when we sin against God, I, I, we ought to be angry. When we say something we shouldn't, I, I, we ought to be angry. When we do something we should we ought to be angry at ourselves. He said, look, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Don't be quick to be angry. You have to have rule over yourself. Proverbs 19, he said, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger... And it is His glory to pass over a transgression. You know that word discretion simply means the ability to make a decision by your own power. And He said this, He said the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. He said it's up to a man uh, whether you want to be angry or not. You choose whether or not to be angry. Can I ask you something today? Have, 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 have you ever been so angry that it's crawled up the back of your neck? I've had very few times in life that it's been like that. I've had very few times in life that I've been so angry that I could not keep control of myself. My wife told me a story one time. We was coming down the road, and I can picture it in my mind. I think I've told some of y'all this. And she was telling me a story about a little child that was being abused. And I'm going to tell you, that is one of the very few times that I was about to lose my faculties. That makes me angry. I think that's worth getting angry over, don't you? But then you have to be able to apply your anger when it's a good anger and it's the right kind of anger where we're not going to sin. And by the way, even though we have a righteous anger, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll let it make us sin by something we'll do or something we'll say. Am I doing all right this morning? Okay, just making sure. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know about all this. Listen, anger is something that can rule us and that can control us. But he said, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth is. But that means you have reign and control over you. I think they son does not have control of their self. Proverbs 14 said, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. You have a quick temper? You'll say something or do something you shouldn't have. Psalms 37 said to cease from anger. Stop it. Proverbs chapter 22 said, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare unto your soul. He said if you learn how to be angry by watching somebody else, or you are an angry person, he said it's going to be a snare to you. You know what that means? It's a trap. It's got you. There is, there, is, there is one thing I do not like to be, and I want you to listen to me now. I do not like to be a sucker. I hate being a sucker. And, and when it comes to my flesh and to my anger, sometimes I think the devil plays on that from time to time, uh, and, and he'll wear me out if I ain't careful. And I feel like I've been a sucker. I got suckered into that thing. I feel that way. Knowing how I shouldn't have done that. Anger brings on other things with it. I'm talking about having rule. I'm dealing with anger right now. Don't worry, I'll get off of it and go deal with something else here in a minute. You might wish I'd come back to anger here in a little bit. Ephesians 4, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths. All those things work together. 
bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. That's just running your mouth and evil speaking. Be put away from you with all malice. Do you know the word malice simply means you want to hurt somebody without cause? You just you hate them because? You want to hurt them because? Surely nobody in here today would want to hurt somebody else. You know what was it? He, he said in understanding be men, but in malice be children. Why? Because children, uh, they, they can fight one minute uh, and get over it and go on and play the next. I mean, what's your children? I mean, it don't take them long. Uh, they'll get over it, the battle and the fight. and They'll go on and play with one another in another five minutes, uh, but, then, but not with men, not with grown-ups. No, we'll harbor that and we'll have bitterness in our life. What was it? He talks about the root of bitterness springing up uh, uh, that defile many. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I know we're to be angry at the right things. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I get that. I understand that. But we're to have control of our anger. That emotion that can drive us to make wrong decisions. We're to have control. We're to have rule over our mind. Biggest thing that I have problems with is what's in my mind sometimes. Now, it's, here's what you've got to learn. Is, is things are going to run through your mind that don't need to be there. Sometimes you've seen things in the past that you wish you hadn't seen and they will come up at the most inconvenient time. Have you ever noticed that? Does your mind do that or am I the only one that's got a crazy mind? I mean, maybe I'm the only one crazy, Brother Mitchell. I don't know. Uh, but, but I know that things get in my mind and thoughts get there that really don't belong there. And what you've got to do is realize, hey, these don't belong there. These thoughts that are in here, I don't know where they come Well, I do know where they come from. But they got to go. You know how to keep a clean mind and a good mind? You put clean stuff and good stuff in it. You know what, what's the old saying? You know, one, one fellow, uh, David said, Thy word about him in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And somebody said, But preacher, I can't memorize that stuff. My memory is just slipping. Just keep putting it in there. Uh, and he say it's like a sift or a strainer. But there's one thing about it. You'll have a clean strainer. You keep, taking the, you keep taking a strainer down to the creek trying to catch it, and you know what you'll catch? Nothing. But at least the strainer will be clean. Y'all catch on to that here in a little bit. We have to have control over our mind. What was it that uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about when he talks about what's in our mind? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and uh, verse 3, the Apostle Paul said, uh, he said, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He said, look, when those things that get in our mind that should not be there and they're against God and God's not going to be happy with them and He's not, He said, you've got to cast those things down. He said, you've got to bring them under captivity and the thoughts, bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You got to get them out. You, listen, I have stopped and prayed and said, "Lord, I don't need this in my mind. I know this ain't right. I, I need it out of my mind. Would you please help me?" And then I try to focus on the Word of God. That's why 
the Apostle Paul told Timothy over there when he told him about to uh, you know, give exhortation to reading and, and to Scripture and all those things. And he said meditate on these things. That means to think on them. Because what's important is what starts in your mind. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought somebody had it out for you? I think we all have. I think sometimes people has had it out for us. You know, one fellow asked the question. He said, is it paranoia if people's really out to get you? I don't think it is. But have we ever thought that somebody didn't talk to us on Sunday morning or Sunday night? Uh, well, reckon what their problem is. Uh, why are they mad at me? Do you ever think that somebody just might be having a bad day? Do, do you ever think that uh, maybe they're struggling? They, they've had a bad week and, and it was just, I, I mean, it took all they had just to get to church on Sunday morning. I mean, for some of y'all, it was real easy to get here. For others, onions, you all fought all the way to get here. I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm just saying that it was a battle. I mean, from the time your feet hit the floor, it was a battle to get to church. Now, some of that is because you didn't go to bed early enough. I'll throw that in there. Amen. You've got to make preparation to be able to get to church on time. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but listen, somebody's fault to get here. But, but what, the, what the devil likes to do, uh, I, and I don't know how he does it. You say the devil can't play with your mind. I believe he can. Uh, uh, but we have to take control uh, and say, Lord, I need you uh, uh, to help me with my mind to think right. Uh, uh, put the Word of God in it. Uh, I say, Lord, help me to hide this uh, uh, that I can think on them and meditate on them when I need them. Amen. Because what starts in your mind is going to come out in your flesh. So we go back to, have we ever thought that somebody's had it out for us or they high-hatted us? And so now we're mad. And they've had a bad day. They didn't mean to high-hat you. They didn't mean not to shake your hand. They were just having a worse day than you were. And what happens is we get to thinking and before it's over with, we've got angry all because we just thought wrong. I'm going to tell you, our thinking will get us in trouble if we don't bring it and that to the obedience of Christ. He's talking about having control of our spirit. The thing that drives us and motivates us to have temperance to have some control and rule over ourselves. You know what that shows a sign of? Maturity in Christ. If you can have temperance and rule over your own spirit, then you've got maturity in Christ. I've had to learn some things over the years. I mean, I've just had to learn. And, and I'm still learning, but I've had to learn. You know, control of our spirit gives us not only control uh, over our, our anger and gives us control over what, and, and, and gives us help for our mind, but, but quickly it, it gives us control. Uh, when we have control of our spirit, it gives us control over our flesh. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know what that word expedient simply means? Now, we know it means a hastening or an urging forward or, or to do it fastly, if I can say that. But that word experience uh, or expedient means useful or profitable. Uh, it means that which serves to promote 
or advance. And so here the Apostle Paul is saying, all things are lawful to me, but, not, but, but all things are not expedient. Not, not all things that I can do and have liberty to do are profitable for me. They're not useful to me. You know, when Paul got saved, and when we got saved, we got liberty, didn't we? See, we don't understand that. They, they had been under bondage to the law for so long, and, and then they get saved. They get saved uh, from the law, if I could say that, or from the works of the law. And he says, I'm free. I've got liberty to do all things. It's just, it's not all good to do. Let, let me give you this. We've got liberty to eat pork, don't we? Right? Got liberty to eat pork. Got liberty to eat shrimp. Right? Got liberty to eat catfish. I don't know why you would. Can't stand the stuff. I like fish. I just don't like catfish. But we've got liberty to eat pork. What happens if we eat too much pork? It'll clog your arteries. Never a true word man said with two stents in his heart. Amen. Three. Too much pork, wasn't he, brother? Amen. See what I'm saying? We're, we're, we're at liberty. I, I, I mean, we can eat whatever. You know, the law said that don't, eat, don't eat the swine. But we're at liberty to eat it. But if you eat too much of it, what happens? It's not good for you. You know, if you eat too much just about of anything, it just ain't good for you. I agree with Brother Ralph, what he said one time. We ought not to get up feeling worse from the dinner table than what we sat down at. A lot of truth to that. We keep our flesh under control. What did the Apostle Paul say right here? If we've got control of our spirit, he said, not all things are expedient. Then he went on to say, all things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He's talking about something else having control over him. How about something else having control over him? He said, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. I want to be at liberty. I want to serve in liberty. There's a lot of things out there that can have control over our flesh. A lot of people watch too much TV, look at their phone too much. Hmm? How much time do you look at your phone versus reading your Bible? Ain't that a good question? It's a good question for all of us, you preacher included. I'm just saying. How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend doing what you want to do versus how much God wants you to do? How much time do you spend doing what you want? Listen, I know you've got to work a job. I know you're raising a family. I know you've got chores I, at your home. I understand that. I get that. God understands that. He knows you've got a life to live down here. But He saved you to serve Him. He saved you. saved you to get you out of hell. saved you to take you to heaven. And now that He's done that, He wants you to serve Him. You know, Daniel chapter 1, the Bible said, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You know what, you know what Daniel was going to do? He was not going to eat the meat. Didn't want to. Everybody else was eating the meat. He's in a place that nobody else really knew him, and he could have done whatever he wanted to, but serving God was more important Paul said, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. 
when I smoke cigarettes, I, I really, I love that habit. And I finally had to pray one day. I said, Lord, if you don't take these things away, I'm not ever going to quit. And, and I remember at the end of that situation, not only was I under conviction, but man, he, he had took everything away but the habit. I couldn't enjoy it no more. I, I couldn't. I mean, it was an unenjoyable habit that I had. That's a bad place to be. Them things get such a hard hold on me. I didn't want it to have power over me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, hey look, I bring my body under subjection like it needs it. You know what to be under subjection is? It means to be under the authority and rule of another. And he says, I do that, unless I, I that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That, that, you know, to be a castaway means, means to simply just to be thrown away or, or not useful anymore. How many of us would want to be that way for the cause of Christ? I thought about Joseph when I studied this in Genesis 39. You remember Potiphar's wife wanted him to lay with her and he would not do it. He, he wouldn't sin against God and he wouldn't sin against Potiphar, he said. And, and, and you know, she caught him one day, caught his coat, caught his garment, and he just left his garment and ran. And I thought about what Second Timothy said. Paul said, flee also youthful lusts. You've got to run. Sometimes to do right in your flesh, you just got to run away from some things. So what's at stake? What's at stake? If you, if, if you don't keep control of yourself, he said, well, people ain't going to know how I feel if I don't come. I didn't say you couldn't tell them. I said, have control. So we go back to Proverbs 25. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So your spirit, the things that drives you and animates you, this thing on the inside of you that gives you life, if you don't have rule over it or have control over it, and he says it's like a city that's broken down without walls. You know, a city that is broken down without walls is, is one that, that has no protection and that is subject to destruction. You know, if a city ain't got a wall, it's subject to destruction. If you don't have control over yourself, you're subject to destruction. You ever think about that? I, I mean, listen, if, if my, me and my wife, after almost 29 years, uh, we've had some short words. We've had some long words. We try not to have neither one anymore, if we can help it. But, but I, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's been a lot of marriages ruined because people didn't have control. A lot of homes ruined because people didn't have control of their self. A lot of families, a lot of husbands and wives have said things they wish they hadn't. A lot of have said something to their child that they wish they hadn't. I've said things to my mama growing up that I wished I hadn't. I'm talking about after I say it. I said things to my mama that I wished I hadn't. 
But you know the greatest thing that stands uh, at stake is our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 9. We, we go back to what the Apostle Paul said. 1 Corinthians 9, he said, No, you're not that, that, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but win the incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So he's talking about uh, the race that we're running. He, he's making comparison that uh, to, to what the Romans were doing, the Grecian contest. And he says they're running uh, to receive uh, a corruptible crown. We're running to receive an incorruptible. And, and he says you've got to strive to do what? He that strives for the mastery is what? Temperate in all things. You're going to run the race for the Lord Jesus Christ? You've got to be temperate in all things. You've got to have temperance about you. You've got to have control. You say, well, preacher, I think I've got pretty good control. Then have pretty good control. You take this as a warning and we'll move on. But then he comes on down here, and I just quote this verse a few minutes ago, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He's not shadow boxing. But I keep under my body, here it is, and bring it in subjection, lest that be any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So the Apostle Paul, as he says, look, if, if I run and, uh, and, and I, I try my best to keep my body under, and bring it under subjection, but if I do not do those things, then I'm going to be worthless and useless and have no value to the Lord Jesus Christ. How much value do you think you have to the Lord in your testimony today? I hope I've got great value to it. I hope I'm good. I hope I am good for the cause of Christ. Let me, let me put it to you this way. You, you, some of you work a public job. A lot of agents work a public job. You go on a public job, and, and let's say you get angry, and, and you lose your temper, and the devil finds it. And you say some things that you shouldn't say. Now, let me ask you this. The people that are standing around, they hear that, and they know you're a Christian, or you profess to be a Christian. What do you think that's going to do to your testimony? See, the thing about this is in your home, your spouse probably knows you better and your children know you better than anybody else. They know whether you're real or not. My wife knows whether I'm real or not. I mean, she knows. She, she knows whether I'm real. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot at stake when we don't control ourselves. There's a lot at stake when we, don't let, when we let our anger run away or we let our mouth run away or we let our mind run away. Uh, we get headed in the wrong direction and sin comes in. We let sin come in. and uh, you, you know He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That is you doing that. You don't sin. You keep it from you. Because David did not have rule over his spirit. You know what happened? He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He ended up having Uriah killed, killed, so he committed murder. And by the time that all that was at stake, after Nathan came over there and preached that message to him, he said, not only did you give the enemies of God great occasion to blaspheme against him. In other words, David, you're the man of God. You shouldn't have done what you've done. They know that you profess to be the man of God. That there is, uh, you know, God said that you're a man after his own heart. And they look at you and, and, and they have reason to say, well, well look what he done. And they'll blaspheme God. 
But then Nathan told him, he said, David, he said, he said, you won't die, but he said, the sword will never depart from your house. And so what happened? Well, the baby died. Ammon raped Tamar. Absalom killed Ammon. Absalom runs David off the throne. And Joab kills Absalom. Now prior to that, prior to what David done in 2 Samuel 11, you never see how many, you never see him have too many problems. He had battles, but he was always winning the battle. But when he did not keep control over his spirit, you know what happened? Man, for the rest of his life, he had to deal with what happened back here. Do you all see the importance of this thing? That affected him the rest of his life because he did not keep things in control. I'm telling you it's important that we have temperance about us. Let's bow our heads this morning.